Hello, everybody. Uh, this one's going to be a short one. This one's going to be just me, because uh, Kyle is asleep, and I just kind of decided to do one on my own, because, you know, it's been a little bit, and I thought, you know, you deserve... The show's kind of popping off a little bit, you know, in whatever minor way that means, and I just wanted to do a little bit of content here late at night. Uh, protests still going on nationwide, particularly in Philly. Shit's pretty nuts. We saw a bunch of National Guard dudes around, but, uh, it, dude, it's so fucking funny. Like, where we're at, in, like, the Maniac Roxborough area, you'll drive up on any given corner, and there's, like, five or six, like, mostly, mostly, they're mostly women, but, like, white chicks with, you know, BLM signs, with, sometimes with the hashtag, but they're all wearing masks, usually sunglasses, Dudes are driving by in their cars and they're honking in support, or maybe in opposition, who's to say? Uh, a honk could be any kind of emotion. It's really kind of neutral, it's sort of like a scream, you know? You can scream in a joyous way, or you can scream in an anguished way. It could mean anything. But, dude, it's just so funny seeing, you know, five white chicks on a corner, and you blow by to go to Wawa, and then five minutes later you come back the same way, and there's there's three cop cars, and then all the all the protesters are gone. Like it's so it's just it's so stupid. It's so funny because like they're not even doing anything. They're not running around. They're not throwing shit. The cops aren't even throwing shit in this neighborhood. It's just hey, you're on a corner. Beep boop. Hey, better better cut that shit out. It's just such a blatant fucking violation of the First Amendment. But <clears throat> I don't know. I I think enough's been said about that shit. That shit's gonna go on. The protests are gonna go on. Hopefully some good comes out of it. Uh, I, loot whatever you want. I don't give a shit about looting. Take whatever you want. Me, personally, if I were if I were in Center City last week when the looting started, I would have gone straight for Warby Parker. I would have gotten myself some nice new glasses. Would have gone home. Maybe got a couple other glasses that I could pawn off on the, 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 the clear market, which I assume is what it's called when you, you know, sell glasses that you looted from lens crafters in the middle of a riot but uh, I don't know I, I'm pretty sure the, uh, the the store that I worked at which is right by the art museum got looted which uh, is pretty funny I don't know when, when I quit a couple months ago I just kind of knew some bad shit was happening you know the buildup of corona and then you know that that wasn't going to go anywhere good and then now we got all the protests and shit just kind of exacerbating that and the world is kind of boned in the, in the current state, but, you know, sometimes you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, so we'll see how good this omelet tastes, baby. Yeah, I don't know, man. We're going to go to the beach tomorrow. We're going to have a nice chill day, but I thought I'd just do a nice little chill solo episode since, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't remember whose idea it was to start a podcast. It, it was probably Kyle's idea, but, you know, I'm the one with the... the computer and the editing and you know I know the sound quality has never been great but that's not my fault it's just that I can't afford good equipment so I do what I can with what I got ah hope everyone's doing okay I know shit's fucked things are wild things are absolutely wild it's it's I don't know the funny thing today was that you know one of the big Philly cops that's been like notably been you know police brutalizing folks is just some like Italian piece of shit named Joey Baloney, which is fucking awesome. You can't make that shit up. Joey Baloney. Hey, my name's fucking Joey Baloney. You want to come to De Bruno Brothers, you better be prepared to taste the fucking asphalt, bitch. You know, shit like that. I don't know. I also found out, and I actually didn't know this, because 
you know, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, well-tread territory that, you know, Northeast Philly, the great Northeast, as they call it, for some reason, is, uh, that's, that's like cop central up there. It's all just like fat Irish fucking losers with their stupid kids that are just like police officers that, <laughs> that like drive to Center City every single day, shave their heads in the morning and just look like complete assholes. But, uh, what I, 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 so everyone knows that. Everyone knows that's Copland up there. But, uh, what I didn't know is that, uh, all the, the big prisons in the city, there's like three or four of them, but they're all in one big complex right off of I-95 up in Northwest Philly, right in between the highway and the river up there. I didn't know that, and that's actually very interesting. Cause it seems like the biggest industry is up in the Northeast. And, you know, if anyone lives up there, feel free to correct me or chime in with some more information. I would love that because the Northeast is a mystery to me. But what it seems like is that, you know, a lot of people are cops. A lot of people work for the prisons. And it seems like such a bizarre kind of culture that, you know, if you're someone that works for the prisons, you probably know someone that works for the cops or is a cop. And you probably kind of are aware of this sort of cyclical arrangement you know what i'm saying and uh i don't know it seems even different from a place like you know a place like even new york city where the big prison is literally only accessible by this one single bridge that goes from queens to rikers island so even and like i know rikers island sucks and is notorious for being like a hellhole but even that's more of a disconnect than you know, these, these like four or five giant prisons just smashed together right in the midst of one of the most dense areas of town. And also one of the areas with the highest concentration of cops. And I just thought that was interesting. But, uh, since I'm on the subject, I'm just gonna talk about Northeast Philly. Uh, it's a fucking nightmare. I'm sure there are cool parts. I'm sure there's fun stuff to do. You know, once in a while I'll go to Franklin Mills, check out the uh, fucking the Dave and Buster's is pretty good. Franklin Mills is one of the weirdest fucking malls I've ever been to. It's got, because first of all, it's linear. It's one end to the other. No way to get around any other way. It's like a three mile walk from one end to the mall to the other. And then if you want to get to your car, boom, you got to walk straight back. The floors are wood the entire time. The ceilings are wicked high. There's two Auntie Anne's. There's like five or six stores I've never heard of anywhere else in the world. I don't know who the hell works there, other than just, like, people from Northeast Philly that have nothing else to do, but, I don't know, it's weird as shit, it's one of the weirdest places I've ever been, because, like, it's extremely suburban, but it's also, like, these weird brick row houses that all have these little front yards and these shitty fences, and at least, <clears throat> if you go down uh, Roosevelt Boulevard, which is the Route 1, I'm sure you're all familiar with US 1, you know, goes from... Maine all the way down to Florida, spans the entire East Coast, but, uh, if you're in Northeast Philly, it turns into a stretch of absolute fucking hell that is referred to as Roosevelt Boulevard, and I'm almost disappointed that Kyle isn't here to talk about it. We can talk about it more later, but Roosevelt Boulevard is one of the worst roads in the entire world. Uh, excuse me. It's... I, I guess I ruined that by burping, but, you know, whatever, fuck you. It's one of the worst roads ever. Because what I imagine initially started as kind of a, you know, pretty run-of-the-mill thoroughfare uh, has since expanded to a four-lane highway, but here's the thing. Obviously, four lanes each side, but on each side, 
There's two lanes on the interior and two lanes on the exterior going the same way. And if you want to turn, if you want to get off this death trap of a road, you need to go on these tiny, 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 teeny, tiny, little bitty little curves that go from the interior to the exterior. There's no lights. There's just a little, there's a stop sign knowing that, okay, if you just go without looking, you are absolutely going to die, and you'll probably kill several dumb white Irish children in the making. I'm Irish. I can say that. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's a nightmare. The way it's designed is dog shit. And I was reading an article about, like, the ten most dangerous intersections in the U.S., and lo and behold, two of them are on Roosevelt Boulevard in Philly, and the number one is also technically on Roosevelt Boulevard, but it's outside the city limits, so it doesn't count, but you get the gist. But yeah, there's it's a lot of big box stores, it's a lot of, like, shitty suburban houses, parks that I don't imagine anyone has ever had any fun in, it's just... I don't know, a lot of, when people talk about Philly and the parts that are bad, they talk about, you know, the ghettos and the really poor parts of, like, North Philly or, you know, places down by the airport, and I guess Northeast Philly is technically more middle class, but just going up there is just, God, it's depressing, man. It's so depressing. Ah, it feels like a whole nother world. They don't even have a subway line. They don't, they don't even have, like, adequate public transit. So it's kind of cut off from the rest of the city. It's just this weird... And, like, I, I keep making the Irish joke, but it is relatively diverse. There's a lot of, you know... There are a lot of black people. There's a lot of Puerto Rican people and Asian people and yada, yada, yada that live up there. But if you're just driving around and hanging out in the neighborhoods, the overwhelming impression you're going to get is this is like... Oh, these are just, like, bulky-ass, pear-shaped fucking losers that are either cops or could not be cops, and so join the National Guard. Boom. Got him. Take that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a short one. <laughs> oh, man. Content sucks. I hate having to provide content. And if nobody listens to this one, I don't blame you. And if my voice is quiet, it's because I don't want to disturb uh, my boyfriend who is sleeping. Ah, oh, man. I don't know. I hope everyone's been doing good. I hope everyone's been listening to the music of Steely Dan. I've noticed a big uptick in uh, Steely Dan content and appreciation recently, which I like. Dude, they're such a good fucking band. You know, let me give my uh, my rundowns of Steely Dan records real quick alike. Okay, because if, if you know who Steely Dan are, you know. You, you want some, some fucking record rundowns. Okay, boom, one, two, three, boom, Can't Buy a Thrill, debut. Extremely good album? Is it consistent? No, it's easily their most inconsistent album, both in terms of quality and style. Because it was their de debut, they were still presented as a full band, and they had David Palmer singing lead. And it was kind of their shot to, A, you know, present who they were as a band, as an artistic vision, as a songwriting duo, but because of the circumstances, they also had to be a pop band. They had to have a hit or they couldn't continue on. Which is why you get songs like, you know, Dirty Work or Change of the Guard that are very good, don't get me wrong, but they're still very much just, you know, 70s pop songs that could have been written by almost anybody. But you also get, you know, the little Latin jazzy type of stuff from uh, Do It Again and um, fucking, what's it called? Uh, Only a Fool Would Say That, which I recently heard an excellent in uh, interpretation of. 
on a, a Twitch stream about Steely Dan, hosted by at SuckerJohn on Twitter. If you guys get a chance, it's a wonderful stream, explains a lot. Very good Steely Dan information, but, um, so yeah, Can't Buy a Thrill, great album, very inconsistent. Doesn't sound, it, it, I'm not going to say it doesn't sound like Steely Dan, but it sounds like literally everything that Steely Dan could be all at once. It's like a shotgun, you know? And uh, Countdown to Ecstasy is kind of more honed in, but at the same time more unstable, if that makes sense. Like, it's more of a pure rock record. Uh, there's a lot more guitar, there's a lot more kind of jazzy vamps and jazz, you know, jams and solos and improv. Bodhisattva and uh, Showbiz Kids being a great example of that. My Old School is basically a pop tune, but it's still extremely, you know, old school R&B, that kind of stuff. Like, there's nothing straightforward on it, like there was on Can't Buy a Thrill, but... Uh, I think the best tunes on Countdown to Ecstasy are the ones that are kind of, you know, kind of proggy and change in their structure, like, you know, Boston Rag or um, King of the World with that fucking killer synth. Damn. I love Countdown to Ecstasy. It's one of my favorites. And uh, the third album, Pretzel Logic, a lot of people, a lot of critics that I've read say that, say that this is their best album. Is it? Maybe. It might be. I don't necessarily agree. It's not my personal favorite. Uh, I think there's a lot of great songs, and I think it's the one where, you know, the jazz influence are the least subtle and the most overt. And I think anyone would agree, because... Uh, there, I mean, there's a few examples. Like, the, the, the opening of... The opening riff of their biggest hit, Ricky Don't Lose That Number, which is a great song. The do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do... You know, the piano-slash-bass riff is... That's, uh song from my father, Horace Silver. Great uh, bebop piano player. One of my favorites. Died a couple years ago. Pour one out. Horace Silver. He was the fucking man. And so not only is there that, there's also they do a version of East St. Louis Toodaloo by Duke Ellington. And they do it basically note for note. The only difference is that instead of a trombone or a muted trumpet, is that they play the trumpet part on a guitar with a wah pedal, so it sounds like that. <clears throat> So yeah, it's uh, it's a little more overt in that sense. And most of the songs are very good, but there's a few that I just don't really care for. There's a few that are kind of boring, but, you know, great album nonetheless. Katie Lied, I don't know who would list Katie Lied as their favorite Steely Dan album, but it definitely has a unique vibe. It's definitely more kind of muted and chill, which uh, apparently Donald Fagan and Walter Becker didn't like. And I get that. You know, it's sort of more subdued, and maybe that's not exactly conducive to, you know, the more biting nature of some of their lyrics. But, uh, you know, still a lot of really wonderful songs. Uh, Bad Sneakers, amazing. Great piano song, great Walter Becker guitar solo on that. Everyone's Gone to the Movies, classic uh, pedophile song, boom. I know that's not a hot take, that's literally what the song's about, but, uh, you know, Dr. Wu. If you guys ever heard uh, the Minutemen cover Dr. Wu, they do a great job. Minutemen fucking rock. Double Nickels on the Dime is probably a better album than Katie Lied, but that's beyond the point. So yeah, Katie Lied is like, it's good, but it's not perfect. And yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, as much as I love Steely Dan, they're one of my favorite bands, but I don't think... They never released an album that you could maybe call perfect, you know what I mean? Because they're all so fucking good. And they're all so different. They're all going to be constantly weighed against each other and constantly compared that 
there's not one that towers above the others in a way that a lot of other bands have. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's to their credit. Anyway, uh, the next album, Royal Scam. This one kind of uh, flip-flops with Countdown to Ecstasy for me as my favorite. It's very guitar-heavy. It's very dark. Uh, even just looking at the cover is like, damn, this is going to be intense. Kid Charlemagne, fun as fuck to play. It's about Onzi Stanley, drugs, acid, hell yeah. Acid fucking rocks. I recommend it. Sick Larry Carlton guitar solo, just great song. Don't Take Me Alive, inspired by D.B. Cooper. Once again, Larry Carlton playing guitar. Fucking sick. Dude is killing it. Green earrings, like... The Fez. It's about how uh, it's about how some guy will never fuck without using a condom, which is like, come on, pussy, take a chance for once in your life, go in raw, baby. But no, he's a he's a holy man, or at least he wants to be your holy man. If you know what I'm saying, eyebrows winking. You know, Royal Scam owns kind of overlooked because it didn't really have a hit single. Asia, everyone loves Asia. Ugh, excuse me, Asia. Peg is awesome. Everyone loves Peg. But uh, the middle section of the title track, whoo, Mamma Mia, that's a that's a scorcher with the drums, the Steve Gadd drum solo. We got a uh, we got Wayne Shorter on the sax. We got uh, Denny Dias, founding member, on our lead guitar. That's just a that's one of the the greatest middle sections of any song, maybe ever. It just rips so fucking hard. And you know, Deacon Blues is a nice, chill, relax, have a cigarette song. It's a good album. It's, a, it's probably their most like jazz fusion-y album. It's very chill. It's very relaxed. It's worth a listen. And then we got Gaucho, which is, uh, you know, Gaucho might not... Gaucho's one of, the, they're one of those albums that might not take when you first listen to it. It might seem kind of stilted and artificial compared to something like Asia, which is very... In the like, as, as perfectionist as it was, it was still very in the moment. Like they worked very hard to capture a specific moment, but it nonetheless was in the moment. If that makes sense, Gaucho was not that even remotely. It's put together from tons of different fragments. Half the time, Fagan and Becker aren't even playing on it, and a lot of you know personal and financial and studio problems kind of fucked up the album. And so the 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 overall vibe of the album is. Strange. It does sound like an album from the early 80s, which it is, but it's it, it sounds like that in the sense that Steely Dan knew that the 80s were coming, but they weren't quite sure what it was going to be. So most songs have kind of a very strong backbeat, sometimes disco-y, like in the case of Glamour Profession or arguably Time Out of Mind. And then they have like these clean, these very clean guitar fills, not necessarily solos, but fills and riffs, and a lot of the drums are handled by drum machines. Uh, there's a lot of horns, a lot of backup vocals, very prominent, especially on uh, My Rival, Hey 19, Babylon Sisters, most of the album. And uh, the, the jazz stuff is kind of worked into the chord progression rather than being overt, if that makes sense. It's kind of just... It's, it's in the songwriting, but it's not necessarily in the sound. The sound is something I'm not even sure how to describe. It's not industrial in the way that came later, but it's sort of... Uh, in, okay, when, when people talk about industrial, they're thinking about like a steel mill or like a, a factory of some sort where there's an assembly line, where it's this mechanical 
Krautrock as like doom, doom, where it's like hammering steel on an assembly line. Gaucho is not that. Gaucho, I imagine, is more like a science lab, gazing at the stars with magnets to try and determine, you know, how close the energetic spheres of Venus are getting to Mercury, jotting them down hastily, and then having 11 guys analyze this data and determine the rhythm and pitch of which they can play in order to send these signals back to the motherland that they can use to destroy the moon. So we're forming a triangle here. It's sort of like a Zeta Reticuli situation where we're forming a star map based on no evidence, which is what Steely Dan are doing in the case of Gaucho, but somehow they're getting it right, completely by accident. Like, Gaucho should not be a good album. Everything about it sounds like it would be complete dog shit. But it's actually, it's fucking rocks. Like, everyone knows, like, Hey 19 is probably one of their most popular songs. And it's it's fun, it's a fun song. Babylon Sister is very brooding, interesting, but also a big hit. Uh, but even, like, the lesser known tracks, Time Out of Mind, very fun, very chill. One of the better heroin songs of their career. My Rival, ooh, Maron. Underrated. Great synth parts. Really interesting lyrics. Like, you don't get a, a lot of lyrics just about, like, man, I fucking hate this guy. I'm gonna beat this guy in life. I think that's really interesting. No matter how warranted it is, and I don't want to get too into, you know, analyzing lyrics here, but I think it's very interesting. And so, you know, after that, they went their separate ways. They did their solo album. They had kind of a 25-ish year hiatus. They released Two Against Nature, which won Grammy uh, Album of the Year. I don't like Two Against Nature. I don't want to talk too much about it. The songs are still good, but the overall vibe just, it's boring. I don't like it. I think the production's bad. Uh, Everything Must Go came out a couple years later. This would be their last studio album until Walter Becker's death, and since, it's probably their last album ever. I really like it. It's more loose. It's probably their the only album they've ever made that is so loose and sounds like they've discarded the perfectionism thing. It's very funky, it's very chill, it sounds like, you know, you're walking around the streets in New York City just listening to what's going on, and I love it for that. So that's my take on Steely Dan. And, uh, you know, that distracted me for a good, I don't know, seven or eight minutes. And, you know, that's what... If you're not actively participating in the protests, and if you're still, you know, locked at your house because of corona, even though, you know, most states have kind of lifted the uh, very strict regulations, and for the most part, you can go out and do almost anything you want at this point. You just need to find things that keep you distracted, such as, I don't know, talking about Steely Dan to nobody, in the hopes that somebody listens, in the hopes that somebody gives a shit, in the hopes that somebody wants to uh, give me five dollars so that I can buy a breakfast burrito at Wawa, which are very good. They have, like, dude, fuck, Taco Bell breakfast burritos, very good. Uh, Wawa breakfast burritos, top tier, baby. Fucking top tier. And I say that as someone who lived in the Southwest for almost a decade. Obviously, you can get better fast food breakfast burritos in Albuquerque, New Mexico, than you can in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but... If you want a good breakfast burrito in Philly, you're going to have better luck with Wawa 
paying, you know, 250 or whatever they cost than you will at any, like, stupid, shitty, high-end place in Fishtown that you're getting takeout from at 9.30 in the morning on your way to work at your stupid consulting firm. Yeah, I said it. I don't know. This is a white trash podcast. That's what this is. We've struggled with that identity, but at the core of it, that's what this is. This is a podcast about being a queer person in America, which if it is, I, I think we've made it explicitly clear, but the two of us are, you know, an LGBT couple. I'm a trans woman. And uh, I think we have, but I think we're fucking, we're, we're, you know, we're nothing. We're from nothing. Kyle's made something of himself somewhat, but I am nothing. Do I want to be something? Yeah. But what do I want to be? I want to be a, a progressive rock musician. I want to be an artist. I want to be, I want to be a stun driver. I want to, you know, I want to flip off a police officer while I'm riding a horse down Sunset Boulevard wearing a space helmet because I just got back from a successful lunar voyage, you know. And then I go and I pick up my Del Taco. They arrest me and I eat Del Taco in my cell while they broadcast it in all the news. And every fucking child in America is like, yes, mommy, you can be hot and eat a 50 cent green chili burrito in a cell. Take that, mom, you stupid cunt. I'm moving to Scottsdale, Arizona to date a meth addict and eventually kill myself. And, uh, wow. I mean, that's just one example, you know, uh, she does that, but then there's another kid in Boulder, Colorado, who listens to me and then realizes, oh shit, I live in Boulder, Colorado. I have all the means necessary to do whatever the fuck I want. And then he does it. Bada bing, bada boom. Kid achieves his artistic vision just because someone needed to point it out like, bro, my dude, you live in Boulder. Homie, what you doing? You live in Boulder. You looking at that? Uh, you look. You looking at that fireworks display on the Fourth of July? And next thing you know, it's gonna be time to drive back to Aurora so you can see Rush at the Pepsi Center in 2015, just like your Pappy Ruth did. Ah, wow. All right, I guess that's it for me. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you did, I don't blame you if you didn't. First solo up. Yay.